You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most passionate business owners on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, well known visionaries, and people just like you who have a story to share or a brand that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. In the heart of Muskoka, home to some of Canada's finest nature and cottage escapes, there lies a town called Bracebridge. It's a place you can come to create, to taste, and to truly live. There's nothing quite like it. Which is why I'm so excited to bring you a special six-episode series in partnership with this magical little town. I'll be sitting down with local shop owners, restaurateurs, visionary entrepreneurs, artists, and above all, kind-hearted individuals who love sharing a piece of the town they live in. Bracebridge, Ontario is the perfect place to escape for an adventure, for relaxation, and to live out your own most visionary life. Be sure to stay in the loop with what's going on at Visit the Bridge on Instagram, V-I-S-I-T-T-H-E-B-R-I-D-G-E. In today's episode, I am sitting down with Charlotte and Matt Nielsen, the power duo behind a one-of-a-kind bike shop located in the heart of Bracebridge, Ontario. Nielsen's is a full-service bike shop that was originally started by Matt's father, but in 2012, the shop closed indefinitely when his father, Kurt, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. During this time, Matt and Charlotte were living and working in Whistler, Squamish, and North Vancouver, but come summer 2016, Matt and Charlotte decided to make the cross-country move back to Matt's hometown of Bracebridge. Since then, his dream has been to reopen Nielsen's Bicycles. So when the original location of the shop became vacant and was up for lease, they took the needed steps to reopen Nielsen's Bicycles. With the assistance of an open-minded landlord, months months of help from his brother Dan, and countless hours from friends, their dream has become a reality. You're going to love listening in on this conversation with Matt and Charlotte. These two are extremely humble, they are down to earth, and they speak truthfully about what it's been like to relaunch the shop. I know that so many of you are going to resonate with their realistic approach to managing a business and embracing the role of lifelong learners. And that's what we do as entrepreneurs. So in this episode, we're diving into what Matt and Charlotte were up to before deciding to move home. 
the moment they decided to relaunch the bike shop that Matt's dad had shut down years prior. We chat through some of the challenges that they've faced and in opening the shop and managing a bricks and mortar as well as some of the exciting milestones they've reached and what it's like working as a couple and how they've really gotten into their groove. So I cannot wait to share this episode with you. Be sure to check out Nielsen's Bicycles on Facebook or on Instagram, just at Nielsen's Bicycles. And by the way, if you haven't entered our Bracebridge Getaway Giveaway, what are you waiting for? You could win a weekend package, including accommodation and gift cards to spend at some of our favorite businesses while you're staying in town. This is going to be such an awesome prize pack for one lucky winner. You can enter as many times as you want. So simply take a screenshot of this episode and post it to your Instagram stories. So take a second, do it right now, and make sure you tag Kelsey Rydell, so tag my account, and also tag Visit the Bridge, that's Bracebridge's Instagram account. The winner will be chosen at the end of August, and good luck. Let's dive into the episode today. Charlotte and Matt, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited to sit down virtually with the both of you uh, and hear the story of Nielsen's bicycles and hear about all of the incredible things you guys are up to. So thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're really excited. So let's dive in and allow the listeners to get to know you both a little bit better. Um, So let's start with you, Matt. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Bracebridge. And what about you, Charlotte? Uh, I'm a tiny little small town in southern Ontario, so about four hours south of Bracebridge. Oh, tell us the name of it. Uh, Jarvis. It's a tiny little town that if you blink, you'll definitely miss it. It's just (laughs) kind of close to Lake Erie. (laughs) And what brought you to Bracebridge? Uh, Me specifically, I guess I kind of get ask that question a lot and I always say take a guess and most people guess correctly that it was a guy it It was was a guy I kind of (laughs) figured that but I just wanted to get it out of your mouth (laughs) yeah um I'd love to know Matt do you remember what your first job was yeah it was working at a um a lumber processing facility when they stack the wood after it's processed, sometimes the piles would fall over. So I had to go in and restack the piles that fell over by hand. Thrilling. Not, not, not super <laughs> glamorous. A lot of hard work. Did you learn any lessons or does anything stand out from that job that you carry with you today? Uh, yeah, just how hard work can really be if you choose the wrong job. Ooh. Um, yeah, it can be, it can be uh, not very enjoyable if you're not in the right place doing mm-hmm. the right job. So, absolutely, Charlotte, do you remember what your first job was? <laughs> in that same small town I mentioned, I was a dishwasher at a one of the only restaurants in that little town. Mm. I was thirteen. I probably shouldn't even have been working at that point. <laughs> Um, but I worked with pretty much a male dominant um, kitchen and mm-hmm. I was this young girl and it kind of gave me a, a backbone, I guess. I kind of knew how to, yeah, um, you know, going forward now that the bike industry, I can kind of talk with the boys. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. I, I really resonate with that. My first job was in a kitchen as like a, a prep chef. And mm-hmm. I think it was 99% guys. And I felt like, oh, I got to hold my weight here. <laughs> Definitely some yes. lessons learned in the kitchen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when both of you guys have a day off from the bike shop, especially in the summer, I'm sure it doesn't happen often. But what do you like to do on a day off just to recharge the batteries? Um. My day almost always involves some sort of bike riding, whether it be on a mountain bike or on a road bike or something. Um, We try and balance it. You know, we don't want to, our lives really revolve around cycling. So it's nice to just take a break sometimes from it too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's obviously my passion. So I want to do it when I have the time to do it. Yeah. But it's nice to take time for family or for just enjoying the area, Mm -hmm. not cycling related. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, I I was never, or I wasn't a cyclist until I met Matt about six or so years ago. So it's kind of like evolved into my Sundays, having some type of cycling uh, in there. But yeah, we kind of always try and make time for family. Matt's mm-hmm. family is just about 10, 15 minutes away. So um, a lot closer than we have had them in the past. So we try and Make sure we get out for a drive there, whether it's for a quick little socially distanced visit <laughs> nowadays, or uh, we usually, yeah, spend some good time on their back deck and just kind of try and wind down and reset for the next day. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's zoom the lens back on Nielsen's bicycles. So Matt, I'm wondering if you could share the story of who started the original Nielsen's bicycles. How did the shop come to be back in the day? Uh, my dad, Kurt, he was working for a large uh, motorsports company as a sales rep and enjoyed the job, but some of the personnel changed and it made it less enjoyable. Um, he was living in Bracebridge because this was a sales area and but the head office was in Toronto, so he had a fairly long commute. Um, and about that time myself and my brother started getting into mountain biking and we were always driving to Huntsville from Bracebridge to go to the bike shop because Bracebridge didn't have one at that point. Um, so I think just the opportunity arose where he saw, you know, the town needed a bicycle shop and he was ready to make a change in his life. And, uh, he opened up a small shop in his garage at the house and things pretty quickly grew, uh, out of the garage into a proper retail space mm. and that was it just kept growing from there what do you think some of the reasons why his shop grew so i don't want to say quickly but like obviously going from a garage to a retail space there must have been something he was doing right yes he was the only uh, bike shop in Bracebridge, but what other things was he doing well that obviously made his business grow and progress? I think he just treated people with a lot of respect and made people feel very comfortable in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, he was never pushy with people or, you know, he always treated people the exact same, no matter what walk of life they came from. Um, and he really helped foster people's interest in cycling you know whether they were able to afford really nice things or they needed some help um he was just basically ready to help out 
however he could and help people enjoy cycling. That's so awesome. And I think like that's really the tried and true strategy of any business is treat people the way you want to be treated, treat them amazingly. And of course, they're going to keep coming back and tell their friends about you. Um, now, during these years that he was launching and, and running Nielsen's Bicycles, did you ever have aspirations to get involved in the business? Or were you just like, get away from me, dad, like, you know, I'm going to live my own life? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I worked in the bike shop growing up, okay. off and on my entire life. Um, I was started my mechanics training in the shop working on my own bike and watching bikes being fixed and just picking things up because I was a kid, obviously, and I was like a sponge. So um, I don't think that I ever really had an aspiration to like think about taking over the business because I was young and cycling was my life and I was racing bicycles and I didn't really have thoughts on business. I just was focused on doing exactly what I loved all the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't until <clears throat> much further down the road where I started working some different jobs and realized how good owning a retail store can be as mm -hmm. far as setting up your own life the way you want it to be and not having to get up and go to work as a lot of people feel. Um, so yeah, I think it wasn't until much later down the road that I realized that running a shop was something that I would be into. Yeah. And I know somewhere in between there, you found yourself on the West coast, right? So yeah. what sparked the move out West? Um, is that how the two of you met? Uh, we actually, Charlotte and I met in Ontario. Oh, you um, did? Okay. I have moved back and forth a number of times from the West Coast back to Ontario um, because at the time I was racing downhill mountain bikes. So that requires a certain amount of elevation to do. And Ontario doesn't really have it. <laughs> so it was hard racing in the summertime and then taking the entire winter off from the sport. So I started moving out West during the winters to ride and train and continue working in the cycling industry as a mechanic because they ride all year round out there and there's year round work. So I was moving back and forth based on what life dictated for me at the time, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Charlotte and I met at Blue Mountain. Um, I was helping run a camp and she was working there. Mm -hmm. That's where we met. Amazing. I guess you can say cycling helped us meet in a way yeah yeah, yeah. i was course. working in the the restaurant industry i always have since that dishwashing job at 13 <laughs> <laughs> and uh matt walked in to the restaurant one day and they said oh Shar, you've got one more table you should probably like you should probably take that i'm like nah i'm ready to go home guys and then i looked and i'm i thought oh, all right fine i'll take the table <laughs> Which is, it's good that I did because look where we're at, we're at yeah. now, right? <laughs> well, I can't let this podcast go without knowing 
how does the server get the patron's number at the table? Like, how does that exchange happen? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It was actually, it was a a group of guys and they kind of invited me, Hey, like we're going to the the Irish pub later on. Do you want to go? And I had just worked a double and I, you know, it wasn't really in the cards. And then I was in my car ready to head back to my uh, apartment in Collingwood and a girlfriend called me and said hey we're, we're going to the Irish pub and I thought okay well that's that's two people telling me to go to the pub so I turned around and went to the pub <laughs> I love it great decision yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know right <laughs> so so awesome okay so you meet in Blue Mountain uh, Matt you're traveling back and forth when does the decision to move to Bracebridge full-time happen or when did the decision to open a business in Bracebridge which came first uh, well, we were living together in Squamish, um, British Columbia, and life was quite good there. Um, but some things came up, like the, the townhouse we were living in was being put on the market, and that kind of forced us to look at what our options were uh, moving forward in life, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, Ontario presented some good options as far as being close to family again, because my dad has Parkinson's, so it's nice to be close. Um, and we had career opportunities here, not owning a business, but mm-hmm. in our field at the time. Um, life looked a little more affordable here. So that kind of prompted our move back. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. Big decision. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think it's important to kind of note here that the bicycle shop was closed because of your dad having Parkinson's, right? Yeah, we worked together for a while, um, up until about 2011, I guess, my dad and I in the bike shop. Um, We had different visions for the business. So like any father and son, it's sometimes the working relationship can be hard. Mm -hmm. Um, He couldn't do it by himself. And I was ready to go back out west that winter and train and ride and work again and it was just the right decision for them to close the business at mm-hmm. the time um yeah yeah it was definitely something i think that was missed in bracebridge when when kurt decided to close but based on everybody's kind of situations at the time it, in my understanding anyway it wasn't it just wasn't the right time to take it over um it was always maybe a pipe dream that matt talked about one day but it when we moved back in 2016 it definitely wasn't the forefront of our move back until a couple years later thanks to edx for supporting this week's episode of visionary life edX offers top quality university education at your fingertips. Supporting learners at every stage, whether you're just entering the job market, changing career paths, or seeking a promotion, edX delivers online courses for visionaries like you on topics that you'll love, like marketing, entrepreneurship, and food and nutrition, among many others. 
To kick off my own edX experience, I enrolled in a marketing course and just wrapped up an amazing lesson on the topic of real-time marketing, which is all about how we, as business owners and marketers, can incorporate the narrative of current events into our promotional strategies. Professor Darren shared so many real-life examples, and I loved listening to this lecture. I also appreciated that I could listen to the lecture at one and a half speed, yeah, I'm a little bit nutty like that, while folding my laundry, cooking dinner, hello multitasking. Visit edX.org slash visionary, that's E-D-X dot O-R-G slash visionary for an exclusive discount and start your learning today with top professors and instructors from a wide variety of prestigious universities. You'll be amazed that you're able to access this type of information without leaving your laptop. Offered fully online, edX courses are flexible and can fit into your busy schedule. What are you waiting for, visionary? Again, simply visit edX.org slash visionary to get started. One more time, that's edX.org slash visionary. So let's kind of fast forward. So you're back in Ontario. You've obviously found yourself some other career path uh, to follow. When does the idea hit of like, I think we might want to start the bike shop again? Like, how did those conversations come about? What were the thought processes in your head? Um, And how quickly did it happen? Uh, Well, at the time, I was working as an electrician um, doing service work. And I had a small repair shop on the side that I was just helping friends and family out. Um, And I think Charlotte was actually driving by the building that we're in currently now because it's it's right near where she works um, as a server. Yeah. And she saw a for lease sign in the window. And that was just kind of the, mm-hmm. the spark. Um, it just felt like the right thing to do, whether we were ready for it or not at the time. It, it just seemed like life was pointing us in that direction. So. Yeah, and I think that I remember getting in the car that day and taking this this route back to our house that we lived in at the time. And I've always been pointed out as we drove by, you know, this is where my dad's uh, shop used to be. And in between his dad's shop and when we took it over, it was a um, like a hot tub and pool and spa place. So I would drive by it every day, every day. And one day, all of a sudden, I see this for a lease sign. And I remember getting on the phone to Matt right away saying, you're not going to believe this. Like, it's for, it's, for, it's for lease. Like, do you call your landlord? Is it the same landlord? Do you have his number? And we kind of talked a little bit about it. And lo and behold, same landlord. So wow. Matt called up our landlord and kind of got the conversation rolling right away. Even if we weren't ready for it or not, it just kind of happened. Well, I love that because like I find that with all entrepreneurial journeys, there's always some catalyst that kind of pushes the idea forward and something so simple as seeing a for for lease sign and, and being like, okay, now the conversation really starts because that planted the seed that hey, maybe we do want this. So once you got the idea in your head, were you like, yeah, we're, we're going for it? Or was there a lot of hesitation in, can we really do this? Um, 
I'm not really one of those people that hesitate on things. <laughs> yeah. I tend to just like <laughs> make decisions pretty quickly. Um, when I see an opportunity, I think it's, I mean, it's good in business to not, I mean, you have to think things through obviously, but you also can't take too much time to let it weigh on you. I mean, obviously if you, if things can be overwhelming in small business when you look at all the steps you need to take to make something happen. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I had the idea and I wanted to do it and the opportunity arose and I just started making the steps to, to get things rolling. Mm -hmm. And what were some of those steps? Like, do you remember some of those first few things you did after seeing the for lease sign after calling the landlord? Like, did you go write a business plan? Did you go talk to your dad? Did you go like survey the town to see if they needed this? What were some of those early crucial steps that you feel set you up for success? Um, I didn't write a formal business plan. Uh, I went and spoke to uh, a friend who works in the business section at the bank and they kind of pushed me in the direction of a formal business plan because it's much easier to get startup funding and stuff if you have that in place. Um, I did do market research to see what kind of demand there was still in the area. I knew, I somewhat knew what there was because I was already working in a small repair shop that I was just basically working as myself, a sole proprietor. So I knew how much demand there was and what people were looking for. Um, outside of that, I spoke to my dad because I wanted to see when, we were, when I was working in the business before, I didn't really have a good understanding of the numbers part of the business and how much business was happening. I knew how much workload there was on a day to day in the shop but I wanted to see what the numbers were. Um, and once I sat down and looked at that, I knew that it was possible to reopen it. And I knew kind of where I could improve the business to also make it more profitable. So I knew there was some room to grow there too. Um, and in the four years that, that the shop had been closed, cycling had grown in the community quite a bit. Um, so I knew just based on that, by seeing how many people were riding and mm -hmm. the level that people were riding at and the level of bikes they're riding, I knew the sport had grown and there was more room. So, had there been yeah, another? Uh, had there been another bike business. shop that opened in the meantime? Like, was there anyone else who kind of took? Yeah, advantage? there's there's one other full time bike shop that kind of like took on pretty much all the business when my dad closed his shop. And then there's also an outdoors, um, an outdoor store that also sells bikes. They're not a dedicated bike store, but they obviously have some sort of share in the market as well. Uh, yeah, so I didn't really, I didn't go the formal business plan route, um, but we made a we made a plan. You know, like we knew what we wanted to do, and mm -hmm. I knew how much money you needed to start, and. We knew we had to go pretty cautiously right from the beginning because we didn't start with money. Um, there's no, there's no blank check signed at the beginning to make this thing happen. So we had to be very careful about how we proceeded because the first year or two is obviously quite hard and can be nerve wracking. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we made a business model that was controllable and seemed smart. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what opening day was like? Like, were you guys excited? Were you nervous? Was there a lineup? Was it like ghost town? How did that day go when you're like, okay, we did it. Now what happens? Um, I remember it just being like a huge relief (laughs) of stress because at the same time of renovating the store and getting inventory and trying to open the business, we had also made the move we live above the shop. So we also had to build an entire apartment. Um, <laughs> so we built an apartment and renovated the store and got the business going. So we ended up moving in a couple days before the opening of the business. So for three or four months, it was stressful. And like I was working full time plus doing all this. And it was so much work. And I remember the the day we opened just being like a huge weight off my shoulders because I knew all the hard work, all that hard work had been done. Like a different type of hard work was going to start, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that it wasn't that like heavy load of constant stress and work. So mm-hmm. that was, it was really nice. It was very relieving. Mm-hmm. I have videos of the day that we opened of us peeling off the, brown paper that had our logos all over it and i just yeah it was such a good feeling yeah that was cool there wasn't uh if i remember correctly there was no you know huge lineup by any means but we did we didn't do too much on the on the marketing front that hey this is our our opening day uh until we had our grand opening in june yeah um so until until then we opened on May 9th, sorry, May 13th of 2019. And so for that first three weeks or so, it was kind of word of mouth and a little bit of social media presence that we had. And then it kind of grew after, you know, you have a grand opening. We were lucky enough uh, to have our mayor join and we did a ribbon cutting and all the family was there, every single one Mm -hmm. of them, which was awesome. Um, But Yeah. yeah. And then afterward, it started. We, we definitely started to see. Okay, it's it's summer season now. Like, put your seatbelt on. Here we go. Yeah, we planned a soft opening, so we didn't. I mean, there's so many things that have to function properly in a business that isn't just retail, but it's also service based as well. So there are a lot of systems that we wanted to get in place and make sure we're very organized before mm-hmm. we really started to ramp things up and we wanted to make sure that when we got busy we were we were ready to be busy thank you to healthy planet for supporting today's show healthy planet is your one-stop shop for all of your natural health and supplement needs and they have the best prices i promise you i've been shopping at healthy planet for over five years and that is why i am so grateful to have them as sponsors because i know you're gonna love how easy their online or in-person shopping experience is you can find them at www.healthyplanetcanada.com On their website, you can shop by department or dietary need, or even you could just pop in and check the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure that you're stocked up on all of your favorite health goods, 
all of the time. Use the code VISIONARY10 at checkout. That's VISIONARY10. And you'll save 10% on any online order. That's a minimum of $49. So again, that's the code VISIONARY10 at checkout at HealthyPlanetCanada.com. So did you guys like define your roles from the beginning? Obviously, the two of you have different talents or were you just like all systems go, all hands on deck, everybody does everything? Um, how How is it working together? How was it in those first couple of years figuring out who does what, especially when you have very little separation between life and work living above the shop? Yeah. At the beginning, I mean, Charlotte was still, she was working full time at the restaurant, right? So I was basically doing everything on a day-to-day basis. Um, Charlotte had worked uh, doing tax stuff before. So she took on the load of doing the books and getting our taxes organized and doing all the backend work that is really involved. Um, and that's something that I knew, you know, like I had an understanding of what needs to be done, but there's so much day-to-day stuff that I was doing that it would have been impossible for me to do it without, mm-hmm. without help from her. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think kind of starting the business, it was really nerve wracking for me because, you know, Matt's been riding bikes probably before he could walk. Yeah. realistically. So uh, for me, I was never a cyclist. You know, I might have rode a super cycle in <laughs> my young years, <laughs> but um, I was never in the bike industry up until uh, opening this shop. So it was definitely a nerve wracking experience for me because I had a lot to learn. Um, even now, every day, I learn something new. So Matt is the bike mechanic extraordinaire. He's the wizard behind it all. Um, But I think my presence in the shop on a day-to-day kind of alleviates the, um, you know, the greeting time when somebody walks in and I can kind of get them directed in the right direction. And Mm -hmm. then I say, okay, Matt, like (laughs) step in your, your time is now. Um, and then at the same time, like Matt could get your bike rolling as smooth as it's ever gone, but I don't know if he even knows our social media passwords. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't deal with any of that end of the business. So yeah, um, there'll be days where I sit on a stool in the bike shop uh, in the service area as Matt's, you know, wrenching on bikes. Then we go through all of our instagram messages and our facebook dms and our google business reviews and in you know private messages and the things that i can answer i answer and the things that i have to ask matt about we Mm -hmm. you know come up with an answer together and there's two things there they're getting the exact answer that they need and i'm also learning what that answer was so for the future i can you know have a good understanding of what it is yeah and not maybe not have to ask Matt but Mm -hmm. um yeah social media is definitely a huge one for the shop um we you know we have a lot of people saying oh you do such a great job and it's good because I feel like I have you know I've 
that's something that I, as Charlotte, can give to the business that um, while Matt is doing the, the bike stuff, I can kind of focus on the other things that kind of role, play a role in, in running a business. It's a huge mm -hmm. role now. That's one of the huge differences from owning the shop now compared to when my dad was running the business is there's so many more avenues of contact from yourself to the final consumer. The amount of messages we get from social media is, I gotta say it's at least 50, 50 to people calling or yeah. emailing, oh, yeah. you know, like it's, it's an enormous part of how we run our business now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, having a good control and understanding of that has been vital for what we've done. Mm -hmm. And I think as, you know, small business owners, that it's really just the two of us. Um, you know, you can say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a bike shop owner or I'm a small business owner or I'm a bike mechanic, but you're also a receptionist, a window cleaner, a, <laughs> you know, retail, um, shipping and receiving, um, accounts receivable, all of that stuff is under your umbrella. And, you know, people think, oh, you guys are so lucky you own a small business, but which we are, don't get me yeah. wrong. It's a, it's a great experience, but there's so much that goes into it that you kind of want people to understand a little more too. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things too that we've had been forced to learn because we opened on a budget. We didn't have a ton of money to throw at things like Charlotte created our website. She learned how to make a website. There's so many skills that we've developed along the way out of necessity um, in order to keep costs controllable. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so many things you skills you didn't have at the start that you were forced to learn and to be successful basically. And, I think that's one of the things you have to be ready to do is to always be ready to learn something, not be ready to just give up on it. You have to learn how to do it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Like we have to, as business owners, learn to adapt, to pivot, like even with something like the pandemic, right? Like what are you going to do? Sit around and just assume it's business as usual? No, you signed up for a job that you have to respond to ever-changing circumstances and ever-changing ways of connecting with your customers, right? Because, I don't know, 20 years ago, like, your dad might have just been able to have walk-by traffic and maybe have flyers out once in a while. But, of course, that's not enough these days. Like, you've got to get your online presence. You've maybe got to participate in community events. There's so much, and it's constantly shifting. So... I'm wondering, is there, each of you, a business skill that you're currently thinking you want to learn more about? Like whether it's, I really want to learn more about social media or connecting with customers or building a great retail space. What's one thing that you're currently or wanting to pursue in the future? I, th I think that um, for us, we've had the opportunity even just over over a year, so May, May 2019 to uh, May 2020, that was our first first year. And in that year, we went from what we thought was a full retail space to looking at pictures now going, oh my gosh, we had nothing in here. Yeah. And we're growing at, at a pretty steady rate, but 
one thing we have to learn or remind ourselves is to grow at a rate that we can control and not whether the opportunity arises or not, know whether that we can handle that at, at where we are at that very moment. Um, we went from having one initial bike brand to having three brands in a matter of, of a year. And we're trying to stay on top of ordering enough stock, but not, you know, we don't want to have this jam packed sloppy space. Um, we have a clean and tidy, really easy flowing store that people comment on all the time about how clean and modern it is. And we don't want unnecessary items. We want to back each brand that we bring in. We want to personally back it and wear that brand. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of have to keep learning and reminding ourselves, like maybe slow down a little bit, but also stay on top and on current trends and see where the bike industry is at every single day. Yeah, I think as far as like skills that, that we're working on, um, every day kind of like shows something that you aren't sure about. There's always something that comes up during the day where you're like, oh, I'm not sure if that's the proper way to do this or, you know, and you kind of, you do your best to do what you think is the right way to do it. Um, I know that looking at how the business was organized when my dad ran it, ran it, um, it's very important to be very organized right from the start um, to separate yourself from the liability of the business and just being very clean and organized. So it really, it, right off the start, I had to learn what that organization looked like. And really that's, as an entrepreneur, I think the hardest if you have a good grasp on where your building blocks are and making sure that's all organized properly, um, the rest of it comes fairly naturally if you have a good work ethic. Mm -hmm. I think every day when I'm working on bikes, there's something that I see that I could improve on or learn about. Um, like in the industry, bicycles are changing very quickly. They're very technologically advanced now mm -hmm. there's a lot of skills that you need in the bicycle industry now that you didn't need before so i'm constantly seeing things that i need to brush up on or learn about or could do better at um, so that's a big part of it for me mm -hmm. is keeping current on on the bike end of things yeah i think that's so interesting actually what you just brought up is that like choosing to go into business doing something you also really love, like you not only have to stay on top of business skills, so how to keep a business alive, marketing, sales, retail spaces, relationships, but you also have to really stay in your craft, right? Because, yeah. you know, you want to be the best bike mechanic ever. So it's kind of like left, right brain. It's like, okay, entrepreneur brain and like, like, craftsman brain right and, and keeping those both turned on at all times or you know taking a week to learn business skills a week to really focus on on bike stuff and you know that's why we don't get to shut off very often as business mm -hmm. owners There's always something you could be doing um 
what would you say have been, or just maybe one, like what's one of the best milestones you feel like Nielsen's Bicycles has reached in the last few years? Like, is there something that stands out that you're like, this was an amazing day because, or we hit this milestone and we celebrated? Um, I mean, the business is so new. It's constantly growing, right? So every day you're proud of what happened that day or yeah you know you look at numbers and you know we we set certain goals and those goals are long in the rearview mirror now yeah um and it's kind of like it's pretty crazy how how fast it happens um it's also funny to look at like how low i think i set my own goals for the business (laughs) where you know like I wanted it to do a, a certain thing and it's it's definitely doing way more than that. Um, yeah. Milestone of successfully working with your partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of people do it. Um, but yeah, we have, you know, we're, our commute to work is what 25 stairs downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just trying to balance that work life. And I feel like we're doing a really good job at it because, you know, that's super important when you're, when you're working alongside your partner. Yeah. I think one of the most important milestones for me now that I think about it is probably waking up and not stressing about something every single day. Like feeling like it's like, you know, it's pretty under control. We're obviously still learning and growing every day, but it's easy when you first start to wake up in the morning and think about the 20 different things that you're concerned about. Now I wake up and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable, you know, like I'm not, I'm not stressing about things, things mm-hmm. feel under control. Um, it feels like everything's working pretty smoothly like all the systems that we have in place work well mm-hmm. and just that like comfort in day-to-day life is I think the most important milestone for me probably. Mm-hmm. And I think that it goes without saying that, you know, it doesn't always happen overnight that you just get to wake up as a business owner and be stress-free. You put in a lot of time, a lot of days where it was like, we're just going to figure this out and like kind of fight or flight yep. mode. Um, but eventually like things do get easier. So I think that's really a good nugget to pull for anybody listening who aspires to start a business. Yeah, there will be seasons where it feels crazy and it feels stressful, but that's not to say that you can't find the other side once you kind of <laughs> sort out all the kinks. So that's yeah. going to be cool. Um, I'd love to know, since we're doing a spotlight on the town of Bracebridge in this series, what is it that you love the most about this amazing town two hours north of Toronto? I think it's a community. Bracebridge has such a strong community, um, both in small business and also in cycling. Um, People really come together and, you know, they're very loyal to the town and they do a great job supporting small business. And uh, I think that's probably one of the best ones for me is, is just how strong the community is here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The community I find is 
they're always trying to improve Bracebridge. There's probably an enormous amount of volunteer efforts and hours that go into not only, uh, you know, the downtown Bracebridge business improvement area or uh, the town as a whole or on a cycling side of things, you know, the volunteers that continue to put efforts into trails and um, cycling routes and all that type of thing. But we're also really lucky. We have a really awesome mayor, uh, Mayor Graydon Smith, kind of makes it easy to live in this town um, mm -hmm. and enjoyable. He's a really, really good mayor. Yeah. And yeah, I think on top of that, we can't forget that one of the reasons we did move back here was the proximity to our family. Like, you know, we'll be in the shop having a busy day and Matt's mom comes in for a quick chat, drops off freshly baked cookies. <laughs> That's not a lie. Like that happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's so many things, but those are just a few of them. Jeez, that is like irreplaceable for mom to come <laughs> drop off cookies on a yeah. busy day. Like sign me up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, last question. What advice would you have? We have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs listening to the podcast and maybe they want to start a business similar to yours, but they're afraid because their town is a little bit smaller, too. And they think, you know, how am I going to connect with people? How am I going to launch? What would you what advice would you share with somebody who has a hesitation about starting a business in a small town and just doesn't really know where to begin? Um, I'd say like do your research first, but don't let the research scare you. Yeah. If you have an idea and you feel that it's a good idea, um, don't be scared to move forward, move forward cautiously and controllably, but don't, don't let, the, all the steps overwhelm you. I mean, things are, things are scary getting into a business and starting a business, but if you don't take the chance, you're never going to know what the reward is on the other end of it. Um, and also just when, when things start to grow, like let them grow organically. Don't push something. Um, things will if you have a good idea and it is a good business and it's organized things will grow probably quickly um but just don't don't push things mm -hmm. let it let it happen mm -hmm. yeah i think too maybe even we we sought out some advice some from some of our you know friends and acquaintances that also owned um small businesses and they're always willing to help you. They want to see you succeed. They want to see small businesses um, kind of flourish, especially in, in Bracebridge. Um, but they will have some small little pieces of advice that will always uh, stick and resonate with you. There was one piece of advice we got from a friend and he said, doesn't matter, matter what your hours are, whatever you place your hours as, as long as you stay consistent with those hours, your, your customers will be educated and learn that those are your hours. Um, and just don't let them down. Don't start changing your hours, be consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of helped us when we, when we opened, we decided, well, let's open 11 to seven. That way Matt can, go for his bike ride in the morning, which is always kind of a reset for him. He's on his bike 
most likely seven days a week. It's rare if it's six. <laughs> um, but yeah, the little pieces of advice from, from other business owners, uh, especially that have been around in our town can tell you about certain quirks of our community and, you know, certain things that work and definitely things that don't. So mm-hmm. yeah. And don't be afraid to ask for advice. Like never be too proud to say that you don't know the answer to something. Um, I think a lot of times people feel like they need to be this like know-it-all of information in the business they're in. Just don't be too proud to ask for help or to ask for advice from someone who's been doing something for a long time. Um, Small businesses all function the same way in the back end if they're organized properly. So look at other businesses in the area that are doing well and, and ask for advice, ask for help. People are nice. They want to help you. Um, So don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, it's such a good reminder, too, because I feel like just especially living in the day and age we do, people kind of like live on their phones and they might like look at somebody's website, but they never actually reach out to the person behind the Facebook page or the person behind the retail store. And it's like, no, like we want to help each other. Humans like to connect. And yeah, yeah, for the most part, like people are so willing to to share their insights with you. So if you don't ask, you don't get that amazing advice. So I think that's a, mm-hmm. a really good tip for everybody who's tuning in. Um, all right. Well, if somebody wants to connect with Nielsen's Bicycles, come find you guys, maybe online or in person. Where are the best places for them to find out about you? Uh, social media is a, is a big one. Um, Facebook, we are on there as Nielsen's Bicycles. Um, Instagram at Nielsen's Bicycles. Uh, shoot us an email, info at nielsen'sbicycles.ca. Uh, we've got an online shop that's up and running um, for people to shop on the comfort of their couch. Uh, Amazing. But, uh, I always say to people, make sure you're spelling Nielsen's correctly. Yeah people will get that wrong so um yeah those are probably the best ways or pick up the phone and call matt loves chatting on the phone he'll have it connected to his you know under his shoulder chatting on the phone while he's working on a bike so multitasking at its finest day (laughs) awesome well I'll, i'll link all of those in the show notes so that people can come find you and when they're passing through Bracebridge, of course stop in say hello and uh, if you bring in your bike obviously pop in with the bike too and maybe outfit it with a new water bottle or if you need to get it repaired then you know who to talk to so thank you both so much for sharing your story um, it's so inspiring to hear from people like you who are are building businesses that they love and that they're figuring it out one day at a time and I think we need to hear more of these stories so thank you for sharing it and i wish you all the best this summer season thank you so much thanks for having us appreciate it special thanks to the town of bracebridge for supporting the visionary life podcast and for believing in our mission of spotlighting visionary entrepreneurs who are sharing their brilliance with the world through their unique businesses if you'd like to learn more about this quaint little town in ontario head to visitthebridge.ca. That's www.visitthebridge.ca. I'll see you in the next episode.